Good morning. I am really glad to see you this morning. We're on week number three of this series. Um, part of me today, I, I really like to relax. I look forward to relaxing. I'm sure as I'm saying this, my wife is, is smirking. Um, but for me, I'm at my best when I'm busy. Um, my best is my business because when I am busy, I just feel and I really I feel like I am more productive. Um, I crave part of my the way I'm wired. I crave being productive. I like to run hard. You know, not literally. <laughs> I like to, I, I'll just use the word work. I don't want to confuse anybody. I like to work hard. I like to work fast. I like to accomplish things. And I know not everybody is wired that way. Some people actually crave peace and quiet, which means they run away from me. Obviously, everything in their day is kind of geared towards what drives them towards something that's steady, that's maybe casual, that's kind of an undisturbed rhythmic flow for their life. Um, they don't really maybe want to be bothered by anybody else's agenda or my agenda. They want to just kind of run straight toward what they want to do. And they are content with immersing themselves deeply into a book or maybe a video game. And then there's another group of people. This other group, they crave fun and excitement. And they're on the constant lookout for some way to squeeze every bit of fun out of every experience they have. There's another type of person. This person really loves and they crave order and structure. And that's what they run toward. In fact, they're never at rest often because they're always running to pick up what you just dropped on the floor <laughs> or <laughs> you know you understand that they are constantly they are creating order our world needs these people constantly creating order putting things where they belong getting things put the way they need to be put and because after all we are leaving their world in disorder <laughs> and we really are but not me I crave productivity. I want results. I create a massive list and I work through that list as efficiently as I can and as effectively as possible. And sometimes I run over other people. Sometimes I trample over other people in my on my way to accomplish everything that I have to accomplish. I, that's not a good thing. I'm not saying that as a good thing. That's just part of my temperament when I don't when I'm not functioning uh, in in better health. <laughs> um, but I've got a list, you know. And I, after all, I, my list I've got a lot on it, and I need to get it done. Uh, it's just kind of the way I'm wired. Um, I, I take steps to take, I take those steps in order to get done what I need to get done. And we're all different. Those are just some major categories. Maybe we picked up some of you in that this morning. But no matter how you are wired, we know this about you and about me. We do more of what we're compelled to do to get more of what we want. All right, we do what we're compelled to do so that we can get those things that we want. You do that, I do that. And so if you're wanting to, to have a life that's kind of peace and chill, you're gonna do more of what you need to get that life. If you want a life that's more fun and exciting, you're gonna do what you need to get that life. If you want a life of structure and order, you're gonna do what you need to get that. You're going to prioritize those things. Or if you are like me, you want to just go get a bunch of stuff done and accomplish things, you're going to do what you need to do to get that done. We all share that in common. We do things every single day in a very specific way in order to get the things we want out of life. That's really kind of the secret that we don't talk about a lot our lives that we kind of live every day, no matter how we're wired. Um, now, this month, we have been talking through, teaching through uh, what seems to be to us the last planned teaching that Jesus uh, taught before his arrest, before his torture, before his death. And so what he taught 
it must have been really important, and we're looking at a portion of that. It happened to be in the middle of the night, Jesus and his closest followers with him, they were on their way to the garden where Jesus would be arrested in just hours. And Jesus pauses in a vineyard. And in that vineyard, he gives them this one last, what appears to be his last planned teaching. And he's teaching them about the vine and about a branch, and he's teaching about some fruit. And there's no, uh, there's no way if I were in a situation like that, that I would be thinking of my disciples, my followers, I would be thinking of what I'm getting ready to go through, that I'm getting ready to die. Jesus knew that this was coming, this was going to happen. But Jesus has this one last chance. That's why Jesus is Jesus. Um, he has this one, one last chance before the, the world of the disciples is turned upside down. And he has this one last chance to help them better understand this amazing connection between humankind and Jesus, therefore God. An amazing opportunity. And so he wants to really teach about this delicate and important connection we have to God. And in week one, we talked about this, how uh, Jesus said, I'm the vine. And if you're a follower of his, he said, you are a branch. That was week one. And he said this basically to us, we are not created to make our small little earthly dreams come true. We're created to make God's dreams, God's desires come true, to make them become a reality, not because he can't, but because he's chosen to allow us to be a part of that. Wow, that's huge. And in that, to make those desires, what is that desire? We said in week number one that he desires as much fruit as possible to come out of your life. And it all, all the fruit that comes out of your life gives him glory that's what he wants. And then last week, in week two, we read how Jesus taught that as a branch, that means if you are connected to Jesus, in just a moment, we're going to celebrate baptism. And everyone who gets baptized, they're letting you know their life is connected to Jesus the vine. All right, that's what they're going to be letting you know. And if that is you, if your life is connected to Jesus, the vine he, uh, vine, he describes you as a branch. If you go to the mud, we talked about this last week, as a branch, if you go to the mud, you grow no fruit. We talked about that. In fact, if you look back at your life and you don't see any fruit coming out of your life that's been produced by God, then we said last week that probably means there is a sin problem in your life. And we did not single you out. I put myself and Cole put himself right there with you. That applies to Cole and myself as well. So if our branch is muddy, down in the mud, covered in mud, covered in sin, it's not going to get the light. It's not going to have what it needs to produce fruit. And spiritually, if our lives are covered with sin, they're not going to produce fruit. And so what happens in that case is, that branch is going to be lifted up and cleaned up so that fruit can show up. So this is the way Jesus explained it. The gardener, who Jesus says is God, is going to go down and lift our lives up out of the mud, out of the sin, and he's going to clean the mud off of our branch, off of the leaves on our, bran on our branch. He's going to clean us up, going to get us tied back up to the trellis, so we can get the light that we need, get away from that sin, and our lives can begin to produce fruit. And that's where we pick things up this week as we talk through this teaching of Jesus. Because after um, we have been talking about the branch that has no fruit at all, that needs to be lifted up and cleaned up, Jesus is now turning his attention to the branch that has some fruit on it, all right? It's got some fruit. So here is some fruit. So maybe your branch has some fruit, but not a lot of fruit, okay? It has some fruit. And this is what Jesus then says. I, I want to read this. Um, so let's go through this. Uh, right after he talks about lifting up, cleaning up, then in verse 2, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit 
so that they will produce even more fruit. Okay, now remember the context. Jesus is in the vineyard teaching his disciples using this analogy of the grapevine, branches, and fruit. And he says, the gardener is God. Jesus, he says, I'm the vine. And he says, my father, God the father, is the gardener. And now he teaches his followers this. He teaches that the gardener is now moving from what we talked about last week, which we use the word discipline when it involves sin in our lives. He moves from discipline now to talking about a believer who has some fruit, but not really all that much fruit. So this branch doesn't need to be lifted up and cleaned up because it is, it is, you know, the sin is being dealt with in the life of this branch, the life of this believer. But Jesus is turning his attention to this branch for another reason, because there is just some fruit on the branch. And Jesus says the gardener wants a lot of fruit. He wants a big harvest, not just some fruit. And so he wants a whole lot. And this is um, where, where we have Jesus uh, saying the gardener is now going to prune. And here's what pruning means. It means to thin, to reduce, to cut off, to clean off. Sometimes we call those, uh, those little sucker leaves that are, that are on a branch. Um, and he's going to begin to clean some of those off. He's going to reduce those, thin those out. Uh, I personally don't like the pruning process in, at my own house, in our own gardens, um, with our own plants. Uh, usually my wife does that. If that's my job, I, I'm not real happy about it. I don't enjoy the pruning process. I don't like it. I don't care for it. And Jesus, though, teaches that God the Father, our gardener, he wants to do the pruning in our lives. He wants that. And while cutting does take place because they're going to cut off some of those leaves, some of those, some of that extra growth on the branch. They're going to remove some of that. It's not talking about cutting you off from God. That's so important. So when those pruning shears come out, it's not talking about removing you from Jesus. It's not like you blew it. He gave up on you. And so you're out. That's not what's happening. Do not misunderstand this. You're still connected. If, you're, if you've given your life over to the control and the care of Jesus, he's not going to remove you. He's going to go on to that branch, and he's going to begin to remove some of the extra stuff on that branch. That's what's going to be being cut away. That's the purpose of pruning is not to cut you off from the vine. It's cutting, thinning, reducing the extra growth because... It's an act of the gardener to help this branch because he knows the secret for more is less. So God prunes. He knows the secret to get more fruit in your life and my life is to prune. That's what he does. The secret of more is less. Now, I think many Christ followers in their lives live in this spot. Some of them live in discipline for their whole lives because they're running from, they just, they just keep running from God. Even if they, they're saying they're a follower of Jesus, they just keep running from things he's told them to do. That's discipline. We talked about that last week. But then there's a whole nother big section of people who just live in the pruning process because as soon as God cuts something out of our lives, we add something back in. And so we just stay in that process. Um, we stay in that whole process. It just it goes on and on and on and on. God doesn't want some fruit. He wants much, much, much fruit. And he's going to step in and help us focus our lives and focus our attention to produce even more fruit. There was a season in my life where uh, I was working uh, three jobs. I had two full-time jobs. And I had one part-time job. And God stepped into that in my life, and he began pruning and focusing me and focusing my attention. I think 
two full-time jobs and a part-time jobs is too many for anybody to be working. But I told you, my, my tendency is to work. And he stepped in and began pruning that. Um, if left to itself, the great plant and that branch is always going to favor new growth over more grapes. I want you to understand that. From a distance, a great branch might look luxurious because it's filled with leaves and new growth. And, and that branch, it looks so healthy. It looks great. I mean, there's so much there. And wow, isn't that impressive? We look and we see all of those leaves. And so people might look at your life and they say, there's so much there. Look at everything you're doing, everything you're involved in. Look at it. Wow, there's so much there. But then up close, as we begin looking at our lives and as God looks at our lives, up close, God might be looking past all of that new growth and all of those leaves that are on there and all those things that are on our branch. And God looks past that and he may be seeing a pitiful harvest. I mean, it may be all hat and no cattle. It may be a perfect looking plant and no pumpkins. I remember uh, uh, Nash back here, if you've been communicating on, uh, uh, with us on Facebook Live, if you're listening right now, uh, Nash is communicating with you right now as we're speaking. And I remember talking to Nash's dad uh, some years back, and he told me about some soybeans that he grew early on when he was a young farmer, and he said they were amazing. They were so tall, they were giant, and they were so green, and they were, the plants were huge. They looked so great. He couldn't wait for the harvest. And basically, <laughs> his dad was letting him learn a lesson. It was all plant, and it was no harvest. It took all of its energy to grow that plant, and it didn't have anything left to grow the fruit. And this is what we're looking at here is God says, I'm going to come alongside your life, and I'm going to begin to prune. Uh, you know, if you look back here, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't talked to Cole, but he he told me sometimes it could be the point back here with our pumpkin patch. It could be all plant and no pumpkin. All growth, new growth, but not a harvest, not the fruit. And for the Christ follower, rampant, out of control growth in our lives. Meaning, I'm not talking about spiritual steps. I'm talking about just. Just things in and around our lives, rampant, out of control growth concerning our priorities and how we're investing our lives. While not wrong, I'm not talking about investing your life into sinful things. While not wrong, out of control growth, out of control priorities is not God's best for you, not God's best for me. We can find this with out-of-control hobbies, hobbies that take the priority over things that God wants to be in your life. Out-of-control team sports, out-of-control competitions, out-of-control extra jobs like me, out-of-control projects, out-of-control fitness, out of, that's certainly me, out-of-control TV, out-of-control video games, out-of-control social media, out-of-control TikTok, out-of-control reels, that endless scroll out-of-control. And all of that out-of-control growth are these little sucker leaves that come into our branch, into our life, and they're not necessarily wrong. It's not blatant sin, but all of those things added up begin sucking the life out of the branch, leaving very little room for fruit. That is the purpose of pruning, to cut away our immature commitments and our lesser priorities to make room for more of his fruit in our lives. And to do this, the gardener prunes what is dead or dying or what is just sucking life out of us, what is absorbing all the sunlight so that it can't go to producing fruit for the branches. So why? Why would God do this? And here's why. He wants to increase the size and the quality 
of your fruit harvest in your life and in my life. He wants to increase it. He wants to encourage new fruit growth, not just the growth of new things to do and be involved in. He prunes the branch. And remember, the branch is you, it's me, to make room for more and more for better fruit. And he does it by cutting away these parts of our lives that drain our precious time and they drain our energy for what is truly important according to God. And yes, pruning is cutting. And yes, cutting often hurts. Pruning can sound a whole lot like discipline, which is what we talked about last week. So honestly, it's no wonder why so many Christ followers confuse the pain of discipline with the pain and the discomfort of pruning because they feel about the same. But the purpose, there's two very different purposes. And if we confuse those purposes, it can be kind of disastrous on our outlook on life. If we misread the gardener's actions, we will come to the wrong conclusions about him, about his purpose, and about his plan. So misreading is a huge reason why so many people who have been following Christ for years and years, they fall back into sin and discipline because they misread the loving pruning of God our Father. You see, discipline is about sin. Pruning is about self. Because when it comes to producing a harvest, he knows the secret for more is less. So God prunes. Here's a challenge for you this week. If you think that you might be in the process of being pruned, I would just want to encourage you in this. McKinley's going to put this on the screen. Acknowledge what God is trying to do as he's trying to get your attention. Acknowledge that with God. Trust that a loving parent, our Heavenly Father, would tell his child, you and me, why he or she is receiving correction or pruning. A loving parent would do that. Your Heavenly Father is going to do that for you as well, for me as well. He wants you to know whether you are in a season of discipline or you're in a season of being pruned. And so you just simply ask God to help you understand this. You could even ask, God, do I have a major sin problem in my life that's causing discipline? And you could even pray. You could say, Lord, I want to know. So in helping me understand this, if you don't show me maybe within a week of of whether or not this is discipline or pruning, uh, I I can take it by faith that this is probably pruning. Because if there's sin in your life, God's going to highlight that. He's going to convict you. He's going to help you understand that as a follower of Jesus. And if you conclude that you're being disciplined because of a sin problem, then our only challenge to help you through this is to just simply let it go. To repent, to turn that loose, let it go. You will never regret letting go of a sin problem. If you conclude that you're being pruned, your response is just as crucial. The response is different though. It's it's okay. So there's something in my life that, that needs to be eliminated for something to make room for something that God has that's better. And our response to that, that needs to be the response. And you know what's going to happen? The reward for that, for letting that pruning take place, the reward is going to be even greater. And I do believe that God's going to help you understand and clearly show you what he wants you to let go of. In fact, as I even say those words right now, some of us in this moment are saying in our hearts, Oh, God, yes, I know exactly what you're wanting me to let go of. Some of us know that just with that comment. That's not Harley. I don't know that. That's not me trying to put that in your mind. That's God's spirit talking to you right now saying, yeah, I've got something that we need to prune. 
that we need to work on. Let me help you. But how often have we maybe thought, well, I can't let go of that. I'm going to miss out something. I'm going to, there's, I, I can't, I can't. I'm going to miss something that I want. It's on that list of things we talked about at the very beginning that I want to do to get the things I want. I can't let that go. How often, though, have we responded now? I don't know at what age it begins to happen. I don't know if it's in our 30s or what. I, when I get to my 30s, I'll let you know. I, I, I don't thank you for the vote of confidence. I don't know. I don't know when that happens for us, but there comes this point in, in most of our lives where as an adult at some point, we realize, wow. Cindy, my mom was so right. <laughs> we realize, I don't know if, Cole, I know Cole's there. We've had that conversation um, where he's like, my parents were right. Yeah, my parents are right. They're still right. They're, they were right about that when I didn't understand it, when I was a, a child or a teenager. And there, I look back now and I see they were so right. And that happens to us spiritually as well. When we're in the process of being pruned, we don't always understand everything about it. But if we can have that faith in Jesus and, and, and in our gardener, God, the loving Father, if we can have that faith in him to understand. I may not understand it all now. I believe someday I will. We will look back and say, wow, yes. I've got so many stories that I could tell you right now of uh, my relationship with God where I, I look back now and I say, I understand it now. I did not understand it then. I didn't understand it when I was a teenager. I did not. I, I, there's so, just so many, even as a young adult, even as an adult, even as like, oh, my goodness, so, so many things. We don't have time. If you'll trust God the Father, it is so similar to our relationship with our parents, our relationship with God the Father. We look back and say, wow, you're right. You know, it's amazing to me in that relationship how sometimes even for our parents, if you're a parent of a child, you allow yourself, uh, mamas for sure, daddy sometimes, but so many mamas because of the way God has wired you, how many times you allow your child to hurt you in the process of them figuring out life. And as I'm saying that, so many of us as parents are saying, yeah, I, yes, Harley, yes. Now think about with me with God the Father. It's amazing how often he allows himself, even sovereign God, who's in control and has power and authority over everything, allows himself to be hurt by our immaturity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. I want, I want to read this to you. Um, listen to this. Ephesians 4, 30. Let me find it. Keep going. There we are. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. I'm just giving you a snippet there. We have the potential, based upon the way we live our lives and how we choose to do things, we have the power to bring about sorrow in God. And he allows that. God must really, really love us in order to allow us to misunderstand him and make other choices and allow us to reject the care of the gardener and his pruning shears. And when we do hurt God, God doesn't want a hug from us. He doesn't need our comfort and our consolation. He doesn't need a hug from us. He doesn't need anything from us. But let me tell you what he wants. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. He didn't need it, but he wants it. So let's try to kind of bring this down to something we can use today a little bit better. 
We know this just from living life. We know this. When your heart and my heart belongs to a thousand different things, it doesn't really belong to Jesus, right? We know this. We know this because we also know that the secret for more is less. So God prunes. And as the vine ages, and as the branch on the vine grows and ages, that branch is going to need to be pruned by the gardener more intensively. And it's the same way with you and with me. For someone who's been following Jesus, for a little while, that early pruning typically is going to be pruning out some activities, some priorities related to maybe choices and maybe, you know, trying to move us away from earthly priorities to more kingdom God, Jesus priorities. But as that branch grows, sometimes the, the, that more maturing branch, that pruning begins to change sometimes. And in, in the life of a Christian who's been following Jesus a long time, often those, the, those things that are being pruned are a lot more internal, related to our values, maybe even our personal identity as a child of the king. There's a phrase that's often used in churches. Sometimes it's used inaccurately, and sometimes it's even used hurtfully. I, I hope not intentionally, but it's just kind of said at the wrong time so often. But the phrase is actually from Scripture, and it helps us kind of describe this process of, of pruning where we're teaching this morning. And so I, I, I want to read this to you and try not to be misunderstood. It's James chapter 1, verse 3, starting there. James says, this is the brother of Jesus, for you know that when your faith is tested, that's an important word there, tested, your endurance, okay, endurance directly connected to, to being tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And for the mature pruning process, it intensifies because we go through some testing that God uses to give us some endurance and a chance, he says, James says, to grow. He goes on in verse 4. So, let it grow. If, if I could sing right now, I would want to sing right now with that girl in all the snow, let it grow. And I hope you're hearing that in your head right now. I wish I could do it. Let it grow. <laughs> I wish I could. So, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, so when it's when that is fully developed, you will be, he says, James says, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. And what James is describing is also really kind of what Jesus is describing in this vineyard. Um, it's not just taking away extra growth. That's, you know, it, it's the process is also making room to add strength, productivity, spiritual development, spiritual power. I, and by that, I don't mean like magical powers, just spiritual oomph, which in time is bringing you closer over the process of time, bringing you closer and closer to the image of Christ. That's what God is doing with pruning as well. And as he does that, you, you, your life will be full of his fruit. When our faith is being tested, those hardships, James is saying, are inviting us to surrender some more things of great that we have held in great value, to surrender those things for the things of God that are of greater value. And while going through testing times, we might feel somewhat assaulted by or stretched by those circumstances in which we are having to go through that we didn't ask for and we didn't want, but we're having to go through them. We can still feel close to God. And as crazy as this might sound, 
Listen to how King David describes this in Psalm 66. He says, you have tested us, O God. You've purified us. So something good is happening. Purified us like silver. He goes on a couple of verses later. He says, we went through the fire and the flood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. More and more fruit. We know this from school. We know that when the test time comes, if the test, if we don't have to stretch to really get there and get through that, we haven't really learned anything. Unless we push past where we've been previously, we're not really making any progress. And that's why pruning sometimes lasts longer and it goes further than we think is reasonable. We're like, God, why haven't you allowed this to stop already? Why haven't you taken this away from me already? Why am I still going through this? Am I not doing what you want me to do? Am I not following the way you want me to follow? And so we're saying it should stop already. But God is saying, I'm going to bring more good out of it. I don't know where you currently are or where you have been, but when pressed to your limit, and when pressed to any limits in life, know this. God doesn't apply pain when a more pleasant method would do just as well. But I also want you to know this. Not every painful experience you go through is pruning. Because my dear friends, we live in a broken world. And the choices of another person can bring painful experiences into your life. And in this life, in this broken world, this side of heaven, illness, an illness of someone you care about, someone you love, sometimes it is just about the fact that we are in a broken world, a broken fallen world. So I can't stand up here and tell you that the trial you're going through, I can't tell you that it is God pruning you. I can't tell you that. And I can't tell you that it's not God pruning you, building your endurance, shaping you more and more, allowing it, whatever it is, to shape you more and more like the, the image of God. I, I can't tell you that. Because that's a conversation between you and God. But listen, I can say this. I can say this with all assurance and all trust in our God, our loving Heavenly Father. Every trial you face is an opportunity to let Him work in your life for more fruit, no matter what it is. So I can't tell you that it is not pruning. I can't tell you that it is pruning. But I can say no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing in your life, in the life of your family, I can say this. It is an opportunity to allow him to develop more fruit in your life. Paul's testimony was that if you invite Jesus into your circumstance, whatever it is, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, if you will invite him in, he will keep his promise. Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us, and we know that God causes everything to work for the good. He didn't say that God causes everything that's happening in your life. So it may not be his pruning, but he can take whatever is in your life and he can cause everything to work for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. I also know this about pruning. No pruning season lasts forever. When it stops, you will be able to look around and you'll be able to see great change in your life you will have that experience. 
That experience that I talked about where you say, I didn't understand it then, but I, I see a little more clearly now. Yes, it hurt while the uh, shears were snipping and clipping. Yeah, it hurt being pruned. But here's an important thing. We also, when we are hurting from that, we need to pay attention. That's a significant question. Where does it hurt? Because that probably is where we need to focus. That's what happens for a doctor. They go in and they say where you hurt. That's where they're going to focus. And sometimes you're not sure where. So they start like pushing on your stomach and they start, and it's like, oh, it hurts there. And so that's where they focus, where that discomfort is. And Paul is saying, pay attention to the discomfort. When you are experiencing discomfort or hurt, pay attention. There could be some pruning going on, some things being cut away so that we can seek first the kingdom of God, which God knows it helps to cut away some things. But instead, we seek first what we love the most. We're talking now about our response to pruning. And so often, instead of allowing that pruning to help us seek God's kingdom first, we seek more first of what we love most. And we don't want to give that up. So if God cuts something out, we just let it grow right back. Boing! We're like a, we're like a lizard's tail. <laughs> it's coming back. Okay, God, watch this. Boing! But he says, seek first my kingdom. And our response is so important to pruning because we do have a tendency to seek what we love most first and we don't want to give it up. But the goal that God has in our lives is not to harm us. It's to free us from an abundance of what we pursue so that we can refocus our lives and pursue what he wants us to pursue. Because he knows, as our Heavenly Father, as the gardener who wants more fruit, he knows the secret of more is less. So God prunes. Uh, I mean, is there anything wrong with your fam focusing on your family? Of course not. God's the one who created the whole family thing and instituted the whole family thing. Of course not. But if all your time and if all or most of your resources and energy is focused solely on making your kiddos happy, that's not God's design. Is there anything wrong with doing your best and trying to be successful in wherever God has planted you in this life? Of course not. God wants you to work hard and wants you to have those characteristics. But think about it. If that's where all of your significance is coming from, if your significance comes from what you do and what you produce and from your accomplishments, that's not God's plan. There's nothing wrong with money and possessions and us using those. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, that's just stuff. It's inanimate. It's really neither good nor bad. It just is. It's what we do with it. If the pursuit of that and the love of that and the desire for that, if that is the quest that is drawing you away from God and from God's purposes, if that's it, then yeah, there might be some pruning that takes place there. My point is this, God, God doesn't only prune away bad things in our lives. In fact, so many of the things he prunes might be some really good things. But it's good things that are keeping us from God's best things. They're keeping us from God's best. Listen to this verse. Paul writing again, Philippians chapter 3. He said, I once thought those things were valuable, he said. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ 
has done. That was a pruning process, a change from they were of value to now, compared to Jesus, they're worthless. Verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. God helped him through pruning narrow his focus so that he could more and more and more bear the image of Jesus. He goes on a couple verses later, verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. No, it's not me, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. That's a pruning process. God has changed his perspective in the way he views life. Verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race, he says. I press on to reach the end and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And I know. Yeah, but Harley, come on, that's Paul. I mean, Paul's like the rock star of following Jesus. I mean, he's the top dog. It's like comparing me as if I were a little league, you know, football player compared to the NFL. Paul would be the NFL. It's like, you can't compare me to Paul. What about me? What about the average Christ follower? What about us? Paul was superstar. Verse 15, here's what he says. Let all who are spiritually mature, that means God is in that process of maturing you. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. In other words, Paul is saying, the more you grow, the more you'll agree. The more you grow, the more you'll agree. And that's the future he has for you. He says, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. In other words, he's got you on this journey. He's got you moving, got you growing. Let the pruning take place. Let it happen. Let it go on. He wants more and more and more fruit in your life. And I believe he'll make that happen through pruning. See, we're not here to make our little desires on earth come true. That's not why we're here. We're here for God's desires. And he desires more and more and more fruit. And all this that we've given you, it's great. It's good information. It's right out of scripture. But here's what is so important. And this is what you're in control of. It is your reaction to this and my reaction to the pruning process. It's our reaction that's going to make all the difference. See, if you're a Christ follower, we are going to experience pruning. It's not if. It is we will experience it. And if you choose to react and how you choose to react, that's what's going to determine what happens. We can complain about it. We can rebel because of it. We can compromise it away. We might even drop everything and run away. I promise you won't be the first. You won't be the last who chooses to do that. Or we can experience the joy and the comfort and the rest and the peace that comes to those who keep their eyes on the prize, who keep their eyes on his purpose and not our immediate pain or discomfort. Listen to what Peter had to say about this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. So be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. And these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith 
remain strong through many trials. It will bring uh, you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Verse 8, you love him even though you have never seen him. Boy, can't we relate to that? You love Jesus even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. Our next steps this week are are simple. First, we're going to ask you to read this passage and talk to God about it. It's Philippians chapter 3, verses 7, 8, and 9. Will you read that several times this week and have a conversation about that? And then we're also going to ask you to begin to write an answer uh, on a piece, on a literal, actual piece of paper, or open a text document, will you actually write down somehow, either on your phone or on a real piece of paper, write down the answer to these questions? Here's the first one: Is God pruning? Is He in the process of pruning something in your life? Is He? And then ask this question: Why there? Why is that perhaps where God has chosen to prune? That's a conversation you have with God. Why there? And you're not saying, why, oh, why, God? I believe the seeds of that answer you already know. Why is he choosing that spot? What is it that's keeping you from his best with that? Why there? Why is he choosing? Here's the third question. How am I reacting? How am I reacting to that pruning? Am I cooperating with God? Or am I trying to look on the backside of my branch and grow another something there? Okay, God, I'll let you take that way and pop something else out here. How are we reacting to God's pruning? See, Jesus said, I'm the vine. And he said, if you're connected to me, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the branch. And every branch that bears fruit, some fruit, that's not all he wants. He wants more. So every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? That it might bear more fruit. Let's pray. Father, how often have I in my life resisted what you want to do and what you want to accomplish? How often have I just uh, looked at my life and I've just looked at what I feel like is loss, what I feel like you've taken away, what I feel like I'm losing out in this process. But God, I can see that you are at work in my life, that you're in the process. You're in the process of changing me and rearranging me. So God, forgive me for the many times I have chosen my own priorities, my own desires, my own ways over yours. And what a foolish and wasteful use of my time and my life and my energy that's been. Please help me submit to and accomplish your perfect plan for me. Prune me in the way that you know is best, Father. And in the timing that you know is best, reshape me to be like your son, Jesus, that I can bring you great pleasure and joy through the fruit that you produce in my life. And I praise you right now. And I thank you right now for your love and your care. And I thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray these things.